What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Someday, Josh, this process will be easy. We're peasy. getting there. Each time is a little better. Boys, knock on wood. this is God speaking. I will be watching you today. I knew God was a woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Producer Kim is joining us today behind the scenes. Mm. And she is stark naked, <laughs> as naked as a bluebird, a blue jay, okay, one is- or the other. Kim, put that down. It's. In the shot. You have one job, Kim. And that is to make sure that the video is working and that nothing is in the shot. And what do we do? We start the podcast and something's in the shot. Touch grass, Kim. It's one of my new catchphrases I'm adopting from the younger generation. Touch grass. Touch grass. Touch grass. What's that mean? I'm not really certain, but I just like it. I think it's like when you need to come down a little bit, like, ooh, no, you need to touch some grass. Is it like? <sighs> no, like, you know, the saying, touch grass, you know, take your shoes off and you need oh, to actually yeah, like, yeah, yeah. touch. Like, oh, no, you got too big of a head. You need to come back down to earth and touch grass. That makes sense. I was reading a book the other day that spoke about how a lot of people in the modern world never actually like touch the ground yeah so it's really good for you to actually go outside and touch the ground it's called grounding or earthing where you actually there's something about the negative ions on the earth that when your bare feet touch it i mean that's animals don't wear shoes and they seem pretty happy well until they get shot or get hit by a car that's us interfering (laughs) (laughs) that's one of the things that they tell you when you go to therapy and stuff, when you have high anxiety, they tell you to earth yourself and that will help ease why, your anxiety. Why do you think I go hiking so damn much? <laughs> I'm trying to... Because you are thin and crazy. No, I do enjoy hiking, but it's the quietness of the forest. And mm. I sit there and, you know, take it all in. And the breeze that blows through the trees is supposedly beneficial for you as well. So it's all good things. I kind of just assumed that you went hiking because there was a lot of men that were out there hiking as well. Oh, no. I don't do that because when I go hiking, I'm like, I'm not freshly showered and gearing mm. to go. There's, I mean, it's not a, my lifestyle is not a anytime, anywhere <laughs> type of, <laughs> takes preparation, meal sure. planning. <laughs> sure. You know what's funny is, of course, whenever I ride my bike on a trail, and I know what people are thinking if they're watching the show, one of them might be biking. It's not the big one. But no, whenever I go biking, if I'm out by myself, if I come across a single man who's by himself, oh yeah, I will like eye him down on the trail and just like keep an eye on him, you know, because like 
bad things happen on bike trails and walking trails. I do when I see women. Like, I make sure I get a good look at them. Not in, like, a creepy... First, I'm, I may... I'm the just, one, like, wide-eyed You know what I just realized, them. Josh, is that we are the weird ones on trails that people get no, warned no. about. Well, no, hey, we're not going to hurt anybody. We just may look like it. <laughs> we're staring them down and we're watching them. I do do that <laughs> when I see a woman, like, out alone and it's just me and her. I make it visibly known that I am a homosexual. Yeah. You know, my Hi. wrist will be flailing or I'll make sure she can hear my Britney Spears. and the <laughs> <laughs> Hit me, baby. I'm not a predator. That's hilarious. Unless you got a brother. That's funny because I'll, I'll pull out my, my brother's gay. I'm fine. Right. I'm an ally. Yeah, that's <laughs> you're, funny. You're safe. Safe space. I do have the moment sometimes when I meet a gay person that I sometimes catch myself saying my brother's gay yeah oh i have one <laughs> yeah it's like you're an accessory sometimes oh just i just want you to know i have one too i know one you're, yeah you're safe you're I, safe around cool. here it, yeah it gives me the same vibe as like parents or like i'm a cool mom <laughs> <laughs> it's like the modern day i i know i i'm i know people who do that too around here right <laughs> I'm not like regular brothers. I'm a cool brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long That's as you hilarious. don't try to hook me up with them. Although, you know my type. If you yeah. see a man, you're like, he looks like he just got out of prison but hasn't ever mm-hmm. done anything bad in his life. Right. Here's my brother's number. Well, that one day we had that one guy walk in for a haircut and you just like about broke your neck looking oh at him. Oh, my God. And I was like, Josh, he might have just got out of prison. And you're like, out of prison or out of the army. Right. Either way. My type. Well, there are a lot of similarities between Mm. the two on the apps. Mm -hmm. If I see a younger man in his 20s to early 30s who has a muscular body and a lot of tattoos, my brain, I think he's either in the army or he's been to prison. (laughs) Because in the army, you know, they get paid to do that and... They a lot of them spend it on tattoos, I've noticed. And in the in prison, yeah. Just get tattoos (laughs) so josh while i'm waiting for my tea to cool down i'm reminded of where i got this really cool coffee mug it is really cool yeah a beach it's handmade and i got it in one of your favorite places in the world dollywood yes (laughs) when we went to dollywood i don't know if you remember this but i bought this mug from this man and woman that makes these there yes yeah. yeah At one of the little vendor mm-hmm. booths. I still have my horse made out of nuts and bolts <laughs> that you bought me. It's in my hutch next to my, my Dollywood yeah. coffee cup. I'll never forget when we were waiting around watching, waiting for the light show to start. It was really cold because it was the winter Christmas light show. Yes. And I The was, most magical it thing was beautiful. ever done. Yeah. Uh, but we not had, sponsored, but willing to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we had just like walked up because, of course, it's Tennessee. So there's like all these hills and, mm-hmm. you know, it's very hilly there. So I feel like we were always walking uphill. Yes. Never downhill. No. But we just walked up the hill to get to this area. And so I was sweating inside of my coat, which oh, is yeah. always the worst thing when it's cold outside and you start sweating. outside, but inside yeah. you're like, whoo. Yeah. So we get up to the top of the hill and I start sitting down waiting for the light show to start. And I have been posting stuff on social media about being there. And apparently there was a listener oh, yes. who had noticed me. And they're like, 
you're Shane, aren't you? And I just thought, oh my God, of all times that I do not want someone to see me <laughs> is when I feel like absolute crap from walking up that huge hill and sweating. I'm sweating and I'm cold, <laughs> well, miserable. You're, you're traveling. So, you know, when I travel, I yeah. don't shave as much. My hair may yeah. not be as... And they wanted a photo. And I was just like, yeah, I'd love to do that. Just don't touch me because I'm wet. <laughs> and you're at the height where you can't really just like duck and yeah. scoot out, which I will. If you ever see me out in public and <laughs> I am not prepared to see my friends call me the Roadrunner sometimes because we'll be out somewhere and my friend will be like, oh, look, that's where the hell did he go? Yeah. Like, I saw him first. I'm getting the hell out. <laughs> Can I just I, throw this out there that I would love to go back to Dollywood at Christmas time? Anytime. Like, Dollywood is a place I will never say no to. It's That's beautiful. my favorite. Ugh. Feels like, I don't know, some people say the mouse world in Florida. Mm. I don't know if we're allowed to say their name. I ain't saying their real name. They got more money than me. <laughs> they say that's the happiest place in the world, but uh, Dollywood. They've never met Dolly. Well, n- not only. You can get a head-sized cinnamon roll there and watch them make it. And we oh. know how much you like your cinnamon rolls Oh my now. god. <laughs> Honey bun, cinnamon roll, I don't really know the difference. But, right. uh Any type of yeasty mm. Well, that sounds so gross. <laughs> Any type yeasty of yeast, baked good. Yeasty baked good. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when you went into Paula Dean's store, oh and you had you were talking about like the first time we went down there, you were talking about how they should have some type of like butter butter chapstick. chapstick. Yeah, and then we went down there a few years later, and guess what they had? Butter flavored chapstick. Mm-hmm. I went there and, you know, I knew that they sold chapstick. And yeah. I'm like, I'm going to a Paula Deen store. Of course, like, I don't even, I'm not even looking it up, which I always do. Because yeah. I'm like, of course Paula's going to have some buttered chapstick. I bet he, she even has salted and unsalted, you know? Nope. Mm-hmm. not. A, I got a peach cobbler one. But I did get it the next time we yeah. went there. Yeah, because they start having it. And we just started laughing because we're like, we feel like they heard us talking about <laughs> this. Know. Paula was standing behind, like, uh-huh. oh, write that down. Yeah, he has good ideas. It what it tasted just like I was rubbing real butter right on my lips, and I was so ecstatic. I was so happy. That sounds absolutely <laughs> horrible to me, actually. It wasn't as good as I like, you know, the butter flavored suckers that they have. No, I didn't know it they tastes like movie theater butter, the fake butter, but oh, this yeah. tasted like actual creamery butter. Mm. also not <laughs> not affiliated but willing to be i think that's why i'm so creeped out is because i used to work at a movie theater many years ago you know where i met jared and the idea of butter i always think back to the fake movie theater butter i, I don't like it no me either well i remember one day one person came up to me at the movie theater and they they said that they had a butter allergy don't and, worry, there ain't any real butter. Yeah, and, here. Well, and they were like, "I want you to make the popcorn without butter in it." And I, I was like, "Well, first of all, there's no butter in this building. Right. Second of <laughs> all, never sec- been near a cow on its life. <laughs> no." And I was like, "And the stuff that we cook it in is very similar oil to the butter, quote quote unquote butter that we use." Right. So I was like, there's no other way that we can make it, you know. It grosses me out. Butter does not come in a, a caramelized no. color that's just clear liquid. 
Well, and then they asked me if I could write down the ingredients that were in the butter that is used. And I, I looked at them and I was like, hold on a second. I went over and I looked at the box because it comes in this big box, I right? I not butter. Well, there's so much. There's so many ingredients. <laughs> right. Like there's absolutely no way you could write it down. And at the time, there wasn't like oh. you could just like take a photo of it. Right. You know? Look online, lady. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I was like, I can't even pronounce these words honestly it's riboflavin no butter i was like there's none of these words and i remember thinking i don't even see water on here (laughs) you know it's like all these uh, yeah it was just so complicated it was just a huge amount of a mess and i just remember at that moment i was like i'm never eating the popcorn here again (laughs) i do every once in a while but i just put salt occasionally that cheesy salt they have up there but I love popcorn and a box of the cookie dough, chocolate-covered cookie dough pieces. And then oh, yeah. I dump them in there. And I just did that when I saw that. I swear to... to Jesus, one of us talking today is fat. <laughs> and it's not the one talking Kim's about the freaking crap that he puts in his it's popcorn. It's so good. It's like Sounds a chocolate disgusting. chip cookie. Ugh, no, salty I can't do it. and sweet with I did popcorn. find a new favorite microwave popcorn. It's called Cousin Willie's. Oh, I've had that brand. I like that. So good. Of course you have. I love the kettle corn. Mm-hmm. It's any. good too. Mm. One of the things that I always felt like people were psychotic is whenever they would use straws, like this will just get my gears going. They would use straws and put it down into their butter. And I know like there's some people who are listening so who gets, are like, I do that. So it goes all the way to the bottom. Yeah. But then they will pull the straw out, the soaking wet straw. They'll just like stick it in their coat. Pull it out. And Josh don't even know they don't do that. And if they did, they need to be taken around to the barn and <laughs> removed from our down. society. No, just removed from our society. But they would just pull that sucker out and just leave it on the counter. And that is like the most sopping wet, disgusting. Straw. I thought you were going to say they'd stick it in their mouth and suck the butter Josh off probably of it. would have. It was chapstick, <laughs> not an <Right>. animal. <laughs> no, but uh, every time I would see that, I would just think, you know, if I catch that person, I'm going to meet them outside. How about that? <laughs> I just don't like every t- every handful. I'll eat a handful of that buttery popcorn, and then I have to wipe my hand Mm. with a napkin. And then I'm like, okay, my hands are dry again. Another one. Yeah. It's too much work. No, I don't blame you. I still need to see the new Exorcist movie. I haven't seen it yet. I know. I've been itching to. I've been itching I was going to this weekend, but I went to the Renaissance Festival. and Had me a turkey leg and flirted with a Scottish troll. How are you doing? Oh, he was in a troll costume with a big nose, and his accent was still enough to get me going. Mm. I almost told him, sir, you're going to have to quit talking to me, or we're going to have to go to these porta potties <laughs> Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby, those porta potties In line to get turkey legs and almost found me a husband. <laughs> <laughs> so explain to me what the Renaissance Festival was all about, because um, I've never been to one. I thought it was just going to be like a smaller, you know, a fake little village and a couple little shops and a turkey leg booth. But it was a huge, <laughs> like a huge a turkey, turkey leg, leg booth. booth, you know, the normal. But I mean, it was a huge amusement park, basically, of stores, like 
places that sold leather and cloaks. And I bought a walking stick from a place called the Wandering Wizard. I was so excited. Uh, But everybody's just dressed up. I saw hobbits and Gandalf. And I was dressed up as the not-so-evil queen in my black cloak and everything. And elves galore. It's fun until you lose your friends that you go with and you realize everybody's in elf ears and cloaks and you can't pick them out from a crowd to save your life. Yeah, and there's no kidding. cell phone service to be like, where you is? Now, how many people are we talking? Several hundred. Like, the parking lot itself was humongous. It was a lot bigger than I thought, but there was plenty of shops and restaurants and they have human-powered rides. <laughs> like, a little... Uh, was this a cult? No, <laughs> I mean, the men pushing the rides were ripped. I was like, oh, my Lord, look oh, at those muscles. Know. Now, this is just a festival. It's not like a permanent thing. It's every fall from beginning of September till the end of October. And each weekend they have different, like they have a mythological. We went out, it was like Fool's Weekend. So there's a lot of like jesters and clowns there. But I mean, it's two months every year and... It was, if you've not been, I would recommend it. It was like going into a little Diagon Alley, Lord of the Rings world for a day. I enjoyed it immensely. A lot of men and furs and leather. Ooh. And if you would like to meet Josh next year. Right. I'll (laughs) dress up and go find him. Be behind porta potty number five. (laughs) And if you were in the troll behind me in line at the turkey leg booth talking about wobbling turkeys, look me up. That's hilarious. What do you look like without that nose and pillow in your shirt? (laughs) So where was it? Was it in Ohio? Yeah, Waynesville, Ohio. Just a small little town and we stayed overnight and got there and... It was just humongous, huge. And the they, festival, not yes. the Scottish man. No. Okay. I, 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 didn't, I did see a few cod pieces, though. I was real excited about that. Like, oh, that knight has a big old cod piece. Oh, I was thrilled. I got a turkey leg and a big old pineapple filled with pineapple whip. 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 Okay, so Josh at some point texts me, and you said... You would make a perfect what character? Did you suggest that oh, I should vil- go? Oh, I said I'd be a good villain. Oh, okay, okay. I can't remember what I told you. I can't remember if you what you told me to dress up as if I were to go. Something with a cloak. I mean, for me, any excuse to wear a cloak is a valid excuse. Mm. I wish they were more popular today. What type of characters... Were people dressed up as just wizards and everything? Trolls? Knights, gladiators, actual characters, mythological characters. I saw a couple of those fawns, like the half sheep, mm. half human people. Didn't see any centaurs. And do people go out there to do some type of acting, or is it just a big hangout where you can just no, love it yourself? Uh, yeah, there's just shops and restaurants, and then there's People that work there for entertainment, like they had jousting and female warrior riders who like shot arrows upside down while riding on a horse. And they had a king and queen in the royal court and they do like a parade through the town and you stopped it. I ate a bunch. Oh, I ate so much. That doesn't surprise me. It was so good. (laughs) They have like mead and other alcohol there, but... If When I drink, I get tired, and I didn't want to, like, halfway through be like, I need a nap. 
<laughs> Speaking of eating, I had tried for the very first time one of the Chinese restaurants here in town. Oh, yeah. And one of the two. One of the two, yeah. Well, one of them, it used to be an old Hardee's, evidently. Do you know what I'm talking about? The good one. Yeah. <laughs> the food is really good. But I've never been there before. Yeah. It's like pull in. There's no cars in the parking lot. But there was an open sign. So I was like, okay. So they must have a drive-thru because I saw a drive-thru window. Yeah. I pick up from there when I order online. So I didn't know that you could like pick up. You know, so I just thought, I didn't either. I went inside the first time. Well, you know, I'm not going inside. (laughs) Are you crazy? (laughs) So I like, I go around to like order from the sign, you know. And so at the drive-thru thing, there is this really old, wet, murderish-looking, like crazy handwritten sign. Oh yeah, that says "pull up to window," and I was like, "Okay." And they also have a really old menu on there, mm-hmm. but it's been wet, so it's really hard to read. So I thought, okay. So I like look, and I like figure out that I want orange chicken. That's all I want. So I pull up to the window, and this man comes up, and he's like, what can I get you? So I tell him I want orange chicken. I pay for it. And I got, like, this this nervous feeling, like, maybe I don't want to eat this food. Like, I'll pay for it because I don't want to be mean. It's better than the Chinese buffet in town. But I've never been there either. I didn't care. So I I was just afraid I was going to get food poisoning because, like, you know, there's, like, hole-in-the-wall places that you hear, like, oh. No, this is one of them. The place, yeah. So good. The place doesn't look that good good on the outside but the, the food might be good so he has me pull around in the parking lot again i'm the only person out there and i just thought man i might get murdered here oh, <laughs> like, i felt it really does look real shady sketch. yeah so he comes out with my food and it smelled really good and i got home with it and it oh my gosh it tasted so so good but one of the things that he gave me was like a menu to bring home yeah and i don't know if you have one of their menus oh yeah Several. it is the nicest menu <laughs> i have ever seen all their money's going into their menus yeah and the rest you know everything yeah. but like to make something look yeah. pretty the building you're like oh. i would i would go to the bathroom in it but the menu looks i mean easily the best menu i've ever mm-hmm. seen it is immaculate and it's huge yeah their deep fried oreos are really good by the yeah. way I'll make sure that I take a picture of the menu and I will share it in our Patreon group just to protect their privacy because I don't want to you know, post it on social media. But it is crazy how much money they must pour into that. Every it's one, so nice. Every once in a while because you can go online and order online. A detective came and knocked on the door and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. You can listen now to season two of Proof wherever you get your podcasts and follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? 
American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. And then just go pick it up. You can order there online. Like not on their website. It's like an outs like, like another. Yeah, but little... that still shocks me. Like just because I legitimately thought that I could get stabbed. <laughs> no, I know. It does and look this real is a sketchy. Town. And when you pick it up from the window, sometimes it'll be one of the two men that I've seen work there. But occasionally there'll be like three little tiny kids <laughs> that come up and they startle you because you pull up and you don't see anybody. And all of a sudden, three little heads pop up over the window. And they're like, they just stare at you. I'm like, hello. How are you? I don't like kids. Well, Where's an adult? <laughs> you know what's funny is Kim likes to tell people about this, but my favorite oh, Chinese yes. restaurant is in Winchester, Indiana. That's the name of the town, right? Mm -hmm. It has the absolute best Chinese food. But the first time Kim brought me there, I felt really weird because like a lot of family-owned Yeah, like family-owned businesses have their children working there. They're one of the loopholes of the Yeah, but I didn't know this. And I'm just not used to it. So I walked in and they had their kids like helping like run the counter and everything. And the kids are really young, Kim. How old would you say the kids are? 13 and under. Yeah. 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 So so we, like, you know, go in. And I thought, man, this is so weird to me. I'm just not used to this, you know. And the kids do all the stuff and bring me my food. And I thought, boy, this feels so weird, you know. I'm going to have to look up the laws and make sure they're not breaking anything. (laughs) I did. And I thought, I just want to make sure that people are following. I don't want any children to, you know. No child left behind. Yeah, exactly. But I'm telling you what, Josh, and people might judge this because of what I'm about to say, but they brought me my food, and it was so good. And fresh. And I almost forgot to look up that law when I left. You know, at first, whenever I go to a restaurant like that, it it bothered me the first few times. Not like yeah. enough for me to not go there. But, you know, I'm like, oh, this sits wrong with me as I eat. But then I think we had to like chop and split wood. Oh growing gosh, up. I'd much rather give someone a plate of noodles than have to chop or split firewood I know. to make I it through the have, winter. <laughs> like marks on my hands. Yeah. From doing All these that. years of lotion and exfoliating. My hands are still <laughs> rough as heck. I've never seen any other business like that use their children except for the Chinese restaurants. There are there I've seen a lot of yeah. it's always family owned because yeah. there's loopholes with paper delivery kids. Yeah. Farmers. Child actors and then farmers and family yeah. owned businesses are yeah. the loopholes. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen farmers, you know, use their kids. Right. Yeah. But as far as anything else. Yeah, but you I've also live in a very the, tiny town. You think? So. <laughs> One stop sign. Right. Oh, boy. Right. And a Chinese restaurant nearby. Surprisingly. <laughs> 20 honestly. minutes away. Right. Winchester has a surprisingly large, like, selection of restaurants mm-hmm. and even the, they a Walmart. They actually have two Chinese restaurants. Oh, my goodness. I've, the second one is really good, too. But it's not as good because once you've had the best, you don't go to the second best. I'm not real sure that that one's the best anymore. It got sold. Somebody else took that over. So The same people don't own it? No, they haven't for a few years. Oh, yeah, since... The clothes oh down, gosh. like COVID and everything. Yeah, they, they the original owners of it wanted to go back to wherever they were from. So I'm thinking that it was still part of their Kids family. Graduated. Like, probably. <laughs> I think it's, it was still part of their family that took it over, mm. but it did change hands. Oh, I didn't know that. Also, when I was driving through Winchester one time, and it's the only time I've ever seen a KKK rally. Oh, really? But Jesus. There was only a few, like, KKK members, and they were also having an anti-rally. And there was much more of those people there. Oh, good. And there were police there. In Winchester? Were you oh with me? God. Were you with no, me? No, I wasn't with you, but they had it. They even had it on the news, the yeah. Indianapolis News. There were more anti-protesters there, and they had to have the police there to make sure that the anti-protesters didn't hurt the on haters. On way. Yeah, but how crazy is that? My lord. I know. I don't remember that anyway. I don't think I was with you. I knew Elwood had a problem with the Klan. I didn't know Winchester. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to know what you were doing in Winchester without me because that never happens. Probably Chinese food. Yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> Passing through. Right. Getting Chinese food and some pie. I haven't yeah. had any of that for quite a while. Yeah. I keep thinking that I'm going to go get it, but it's a 20-minute drive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Winchester also has Miss Wicks pies. Mrs. Wicks, yeah. yeah. that's where their factory is. I don't like to go there without stopping and getting a pie. <laughs> you know, I've never been. They have a cafe there now. It's very good. The mm. cafe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me and my mom's been there a couple times. I've had yeah. a few things from there. When I worked at the senior home, we got to go from there, or we'd go there for lunch. I love a good sugar cream <clears> pie. <throat> I swear, Josh, I just hate that I you know. eat something, but you always have to bring up the food that you eat. I re- I'm like grandma. I eat like a teenage boy. And so far, I haven't. I've gained so weight, but that's intentional. It might catch up with you sometimes. But I've noticed the longer I go without a man, the more food I'm shoveling down my throat. <laughs> the other night, I'm like, should I? I'll just stay home and not have to do all the preparation and just eat eat My a pie gosh. that reminds I me I made of... a pie <laughs> an apple crumb pie I did too <laughs> and you didn't bring me any of it it wasn't a lot left that reminds me of when I was watching TV one day and I got a commercial for that one thing that gay people use pure no, prep no prep yeah. you know, I had never known what that was until I saw the commercial for prep and it was so like vague in the commercial, and I think I might have even asked you what it was. It's and you're prep. like, "Prep." The name kind of gives it away of what it is. Prep. <laughs> well, we have prep, and then there's like pure for men, which I believe is like a fiber supplement. Mm. Makes it easier to prepare. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I've never even heard of that one. Kim, do you, is that what you use? 
It's just a, no. I, I don't know. Women might be able to take it. It's just marketed towards gay men, but it's probably just, I just take a regular fiber supplement. <laughs> That's just for age. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of that one, but I have seen the commercials about PrEP. PrEP. Yeah, they're pretty common. So in our last episode, which will be several episodes from now, <laughs> we had talked about BVDs. Yes. And we had shared that we learned what BVDs were. So when I had posted that episode of Spotify, they now let you post surveys. So I posted a little survey asking people, did you know what a BVD was before we shared what it was? Awesome. And in the survey, 75% of people. Big veiny dicks. Did not. What? Oh, no. Never mind. No. (laughs) 75% of people did not know what BBDs were, but 25% of people did. I thought that was very interesting. Hmm. More yeah. than I thought. Yeah, me too. That means 25% of our listeners are either older than 30 <laughs> or were raised by someone. Or uh, they're just very knowledgeable. I'm a lot older than 30, and I didn't know what they were. Well, you're not very knowledgeable. She's ignorant, kid. people. You hear that? She said it. Ignorant. You're ignorant. I like how we both yeah, said the right. same thing. <laughs> you're not very knowledgeable. And Josh ignorant. was like, you're ignorant. She ignorant. <laughs> ignorant. I'm going to start. That's my new meaning for BVDs. I'm going to start texting that. Show me that BVD. Big veiny dick. Yeah, but see, you're going to have people who won't know what that means. Sending and they're going to look pictures. it up. And they're going to be like. Is this guy like 90? (laughs) Why does he want a picture of my underwear? Yeah. And they're going to wonder if you're catfishing them. My breezy briefs. Yeah. All right. So should we go ahead and get into our mystery? Yeah. Okay. So how about I go first this time? Sweetly. I'll just sit here and drink my Yoo-Hoo. So excited. We talked about them on a previous episode. I know. I found some after looking four different places. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah josh was nice enough to bring some in for us today taste that yummy and chocolate a water must be in a pretty good mood yeah i brought i finally found well at the beginning of fall i sent you the little debbie miniature pumpkin right. pies and i've been looking ever since i sent you that for one because i was so excited to get you a little mini pie and i saw them yesterday i was so thrilled <laughs> i like screamed and i was like i wish i liked these because i grabbed you both one i'm like they're so cute have you tiny. tasted it not yet yeah i'll have to try it later see all this it time i've been waiting to give you them things <laughs> and we and have the same one for after dinner okay yeah we'll have it eventually josh don't you worry <laughs> Don't you worry about that. Don't you worry. We're going to, yeah, but Kim, we're going to go out there and he will have already have eaten. He just got, said he doesn't like them. I got like me a honey bun. I was, yeah, but when he goes too long without sugar, he probably gets the shakes and he'll just be like, uh, oh, what's this? Oh. That's if it was chocolate. <laughs> doesn't last long. Well, Shane, what is your okay. mystery? So, Josh, you know how I like a good alien story. Yes. But my problem with alien stories, because I like to watch, yes, but I like to watch good alien like stories and shows and stuff. But the problem that I always have is that these people who like the producers of these TV shows, they'll put anything up on TV. Mm-hmm. Like if it could be a possible alien sighting, most of the time I'm like, that's not even real. Like someone is faking that footage. It's been edited. That is a blip. Yeah, someone has a fishing string. 
And so most of the right. time, like 99% of the time, it's unbelievable. And the whole production loses its credibility with me. Like that yeah. Bigfoot hunting series. Yeah. So most of the time when I watch this stuff, it's unbelievable. And it's, yeah, I can't even deal with it. So I get so annoyed. So I'm always in search of very realistic, good alien encounters. Ooh. And I found one. Dun, dun, dun. This one <laughs> is going to be really hard to discount. And I think this is it. They found out my true identity, people. I got to go. They're coming in. <laughs> yeah. So here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready, Kim? Are you ready, Josh? I'm ready. All right. I suppose They're, I'm ready. Are you prepped? <laughs> <laughs> Always. Beam me up. <laughs> I'm starting to feel like a men in black. So... Imagine it's September 16th, 1994. I'm almost four years old. Josh, you're 24. (laughs) (laughs) We're just up in your age, Josh, up in your age. I I had been married six years. Ooh, bless her heart. So we're talking specifically about a school. The, The school's name is Ariel School, and we're in a very, very small town. It's Rua, Zimbabwe. Okay. Have you ever been? <laughs> uh, yeah, I just oh, yeah. came back from there. Oh, did did you? You? Yeah. Just last month, I went on holiday. Yeah, mm-hmm. on holiday. Good. So, Rua, Zimbabwe, and it's a really nice, prestigious school. Like I said, it's a very rural area, and some people call it a small town, but really, it's kind of in a crossroads. You would really like just drive into the area. So it's a very rural area, but it's not far from a major town. Okay. And most of the kids that go there, their parents are paying for them to attend. So although it's, you might think Zimbabwe, maybe there's not a lot of money in the school, but that's not the case here. Most of them, you know, their parents are paying for them to go. So So it's kind of like a private school. Yeah. So they're coming from a pretty good background. Good for them. So what starts as a regular school day for this school, it turns into the realm of the unexplainable, and it affects the life of these 62 school children, and they range between the ages of 6 and 12. I don't believe them. Yeah. (laughs) Josh is like, I hate children. They can't be believed. And I'm like, bless their heart. I know. Two different people. Two different backgrounds. So at this aerial school siding, which is how this whole mystery is known. It's an encounter that has grabbed global attention at the time, but it was widely forgotten about for a very long time. And the mystery kind of deepens when a Harvard psychologist goes out there to question the students. So let's get into it. So on this Friday morning, the teachers were indoors. They had a meeting to go to. And what's kind of funny in this whole story is they just went ahead and left all the students outside for (laughs) recess. Okay, bye. Yeah, which doesn't really happen here. Maybe it did at a different point in time. It was a safe town. Mm -mm. Even when we were in school, when we were young in 1994, you know, a little later, but (laughs) we always had a teacher out of recess. You know, they wouldn't have left us all out there. But it was a very small town. Maybe the teachers were like, what's going to happen? Well... Guess what? Something happened. Our school had insurance. There's it. <laughs> yeah. Back in the 70s, when I was in elementary school there, we, they still had teachers. Yeah. 
they were outside smoking, but they were still watching yeah. the kids. <laughs> but again, this was Zimbabwe, very rural area. So the teachers probably assumed that this was a very good area. Right. Nothing was going to happen. Everything will be fine. So about 10, 15 in the morning, the usual laughter and the chatter of the kids at play outside. It Ugh. What? No. I thought you were. Dr- no, the sound of kids. Oh. Kids laughter in the morning. Oh, Josh. <laughs> I thought your milk went bad. And I was like, that's not even real milk. I know. My chocolate water (laughs) tastes funny. (laughs) So the whole playground, it turned to something much different. So imagine being one of these children. You're playing. You're laughing. You're outside on the playground having fun. When out of the blue, objects suddenly appear in the sky. Not one, but three silver disc crafts. And one of these crafts make a decision to land. Or should I say, hover just above the ground in the schoolyard. And Kim's look is (laughs) very skeptical. skeptical, (laughs) Yes. But it gets weirder. So from the craft emerge beings. I said that right. Beings. And again, it gets much weirder. So they're small figures in tight, shiny black clothing. Their eyes are what? captivate you the most their large oval shaped almost hypnotic eyes and according to the children these beings didn't speak but instead they felt that they were being telepathically communicated with and the, the message that they were receiving from these beings was a very dire warning about the earth's future oh yeah great <laughs> <laughs> tell right. a bunch of kids yeah. like things can't get worse let's tell these kids no one's gonna believe them yeah so after making that telepathic connection the beings silently just get back in their craft and retreat. <laughs> yeah they left and in the blink of an eye the craft shoots back up into the sky and disappears as mysteriously as they arrived they leave behind stunned children And an enduring mystery. Now, when the adults finally catch wind of all this, you know, they come outside. The children are freaking the hell out. out. Yeah, some kids are crying. They get them calmed down, and the kids aren't really sure how to explain it. Some of the older kids describe them as, you know, of an alien. But the younger kids are describing it as like a a local legend type of character, Mm. not alien for sure. They weren't using the word aliens. It's kind of like if we were to call it like a, a coyote or something like that, you know, or a Bigfoot or something. Like a chupacabra. Yeah. Like a, they just didn't have the vocabulary to call it an alien. Right. But they all were describing the same thing. And the teachers again, just didn't quite believe them because of course they're level headed and they're just thinking, well, you know, you guys are just, these kids are messing with us. Yeah. They get them to calm down and continue throughout the day. Well, they go home and all these kids individually start telling their parents what they've seen and they're all bothered. They're having nightmares. And so all the students, all the teachers, you know, get told about this the next day by all the parents and they're all worried. So that's when things start to escalate. So the next day, the adults are again making a big deal out of all of this. And 
they get all the children together and they realize that all the stories are remarkably consistent with each other. All the kids are saying pretty much the same thing, that the alien beings were doing the same thing, saying the same thing, looked the same way, were in the same area. So you have this amount of children saying the same thing. It's that very, very happens. bizarre. <laughs> yeah, very bizarre. And what I also found was even more bizarre, if the story can't get weirder, is the next day the adults went out to look where the children said that the craft had landed and the ground was charred. Ooh. So, you know, could something have been burned there at some prior time? Maybe. But it's very bizarre that the kids would say that that's the area that the craft had landed and that the ground is also charred there. You Makes know, me kinda... think of when you play telephone in school, that, you know, the little game telephone, by the time the original message gets down the line, it's been twisted to where it doesn't sound. Like, to me, that is a case for how believable it, mm. it is, to me at least, just if it was made up, these kids would not be saying the same story. Yeah. Well, especially for it to have happened so quickly. Like you're talking about so many kids who vary so widely in age and so young to have all been at recess by themselves, made up the story together and to all have to keep that story. It's just very bizarre. So as things progress, the next day, a Harvard psychiatrist comes in. His name is Dr. John Mack. He comes in to question the children to see if he can pull out what's happened here. And so he thought that what he was hearing was too weird to ignore. So he wanted to come in and figure out if he could make sense of it. So he flew over 8,000 miles to Zimbabwe to do this. Oh. I know. Josh wouldn't be flying like that. <laughs> get the lion. I don't need to drive out or fly out the way there. Right. So Dr. Mack conducted these thorough interviews with the children, and he was doing it in groups. So it's not like he was having individuals. So in these groups, he was asking these kids what they had seen and what they had heard. And they all were filmed, so you can still go back and see what these kids said and what they describe. And it's very bizarre. I watched most of them. And the kids were very truthful and... They weren't being led. They were just like, this is what I saw. And it it was very believable for me. I don't feel like at any point in time it could have been possible for these kids to have gotten together and made up this story and been able to have fooled all these people and kept up right. with it without one of these kids like crying and being like, oh, we made it all up. I'm so sorry. I don't want to get in trouble or you acting know. like you know some people especially kids have tells when they're lying, yeah. like looking away or twiddling and yeah when they were telling their stories were they all using the same words or were they describing it in their own words? no yeah they were using the language that they knew how so the older kids were describing it with language that they knew so some of the older kids could use the word alien the younger kids couldn't use that word because they weren't exactly sure what aliens were it's, but they, some of the consistencies were also there. So they were describing pretty much the same thing, but in, again, in their own way, in the mm -hmm. language that they could use to do, to do that. So you might wonder, what was his finding? So first of all, he noticed that there was a huge consistency with all of the children's accounts. 
And he also noted that the kids all came from a very diverse background. They were all different ages, but yet all of their stories seemed to match. He also noted that the emotional intensity with which all the children spoke was beyond ordinary. So that also stuck out to him. So he came away from those interviews convinced that something extraordinary had happened at the school, and it was something that that challenged his very understanding of reality itself. So it was a very big interview. Hmm. Something that also happened that I wanted to make mention because I thought it was very interesting is, of course, when we think of Harvard and him coming from Harvard, you can imagine that Harvard wasn't too happy <laughs> that <laughs> you that went suddenly, to see what? Yeah. And then that he believed it, you know, and that he was speaking out that he believed these children. So I'm sure you're wondering what Harvard thought about all of this. So it wasn't a warm reception to say the very least. And he faced a considerable amount of scrutiny from the institution and his peers. In fact, Harvard formed a special committee to review his clinical care and his clinical investigation. And this was also unprecedented. They had never done this before. They had never subjected any of their tenured professors to such a review. So this was a very, very big deal. So after a 14-month investigation, the committee ended up not finding a reason to dismiss him or sanction him, but they did issue a big statement urging him to exercise quote, increased academic and clinical caution. So it was just a really sobering reminder that he needed to walk a tight rope. Watch what you say, because we pay your bills. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was very interesting, because, of course, that was really the first time that Harvard had ever done that to one of their their professors. See how they are. Yeah. Aliens, too far. I was looking up some information on this professor— And one of the weird things that I found that I wanted to make a comment over was that this doctor, Dr. Mack, he was killed in a road accident. So he was hit by a car in 2004 in London. (laughs) So he was hit by a car in 2004 in London. So he had looked the wrong way because, of course, they drive on the opposite side of the road. Harvard. Right. Teach everything but that. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Respect to it. But – When I read that, it reminded me that there's someone else in history who that kind of happened to, but he didn't die. Winston Churchill, that happened to him in New York City. I don't know if you knew that. What happened for him, I thought this was just an interesting little side note. Winston Churchill, after he was, you know, prime minister, he pretty much lost all his wealth in the stock market. And the stock market had crashed. He lost his wealth. And he had went to New York City to visit a friend. And he was walking across Fifth Avenue. And he accidentally looked the wrong way and went to cross it and got hit by a car and got really injured really badly. And during that process of being put into a hospital, reporters really wanted to get in to see him and get photos and everything. And the security at the hospital were trying to make sure they didn't get in. And so one of the things that was happening was because the harder that they fought to keep those reporters out, the more they wanted to get in. Mm -hmm. 
So he kind of recognized that and played on that a little bit. And so he ends up writing about his experience of being in the hospital and what happened to him and selling his story. And he made a lot of money from it Hmm. and was able to make his living again Hmm. and, you know, start his life back. So I thought that was just a really interesting little side note. That I am deeply, deeply, I, I am so disappointed in The Crown. They did not tell that story in The Crown. I wonder why. It's because I wasn't involved. Yeah, but they only showed him like in the bed for the last bit of his life, which the final season comes But he didn't out. die. No. But he didn't die. No. Yeah. So he that's when he like revamp, revamps his life and he continues back. And gets back into politics in England. I thought you were going to say that the reporters were so eager to get into the hospital that they also got hit by cars so they could get in there. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made the story even better. I mean, if you want your picture. Yeah. So if we get back into the story, if we fast forward to today, some of these witnesses, some of the kids who said that they saw things out there. To this day, a lot of them haven't even told their spouses what they experienced. And in their defense, they said that they kind of got tired of defending themselves after all this time. So, I mean, I can definitely see that because if you think about it, if you tell someone that you saw an alien, you kind of have to just defend yourself and dig yourself out of this hole. Well, and even if if it wasn't about aliens, you know, you can only tell people the truth so many times yeah. and they don't believe you and you're like fine i'm just ain't gonna tell you anymore yeah but one of the very interesting things is that of all the kids who said that they saw it back in 1994 none of them took back that none of them have said no i was lying no i didn't see anything you know all the ones who are still vocal about it and are willing to talk about it still stick by that yes what i saw is accurate hmm. and they are still saying that the message that they received was that the earth is in peril. We're in peril. Did Were they any specific? They said that? it was because of, it was environmental, oh. like because we aren't taking care of the earth. We know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Nothing new. It's 80 degrees in the end of October in Indiana. Yeah. This is normal. I also want to add, just to make sure we clear the air here. Oh, you smelled that. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't want any bad press. I did find two things that skeptics, you know, talk about when they bring this up. And everything is allegedly here on Mr. Yes. (laughs) So I will bring this up just for us to talk about. So the first thing that skeptics say about this is before the sightings, there were a number of UFO sightings in the area. Of Zimbabwe. And these sightings happened in the days leading up to this event happening. So the skeptics believe that they also believe that these lights that people were seeing was a rocket that had launched a satellite. Mm. So it's their belief that maybe some of the kids might have known about these sightings and maybe concocted this whole thing. But again, you're getting a lot of kids who are ranging in age and to kids believe aren't in that this. Organized to put together something. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I just. Grand. I mean, we all can probably remember being that age, and I just can't imagine I would ever go along with it and never come forward and be no. like. I mean, that the adults would have came running because they would have heard me scream. <laughs> right. 
I was a screamer as a child. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't believe that for one minute. I just don't think that all these kids would have followed along with some of the older kids to do no. it if that's what their belief is. There would have been one, like, pain-in-the-butt kid who's like, no, I ain't doing it. Yeah. You know, at least one. And their parents would have got them to come out of it. And what I also thought was very interesting is during the interviews with the kids that I was watching, a lot of the kids were even saying that their parents didn't believe them. Like, they really had to fight and prove their case. See, I don't even care for kids, and I believe them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And they were all drawing photos of what they were seeing. And even the photos, you know, as children, you know, you're just drawing what you're imagining. But the photos even line up with each other. So, I mean, at least it's just very crazy that all these kids are lining up together. At least it was the greys and not the reptilians. They're more hostile. Yeah. I really believe that we are very small-minded people to think. Yes, you are, Kim. There isn't some other form of life out there. I think on other planets and then in other dimensions and some are able to, oh, we don't, we'll be on this episode will be hours long if we start going down that rabbit <laughs> <Right>. hole. <laughs> Maybe in a future episode, we'll talk about our belief systems. There are three, at least three known alien species, allegedly. We will talk about that. Yeah. Yes. So my second thing that skeptics talk about is that they believe the children, because they are from affluent families, they may have had access to popular media So it's possible that they could have watched something that had an alien in it. And so maybe that they that helped the older kids concoct this whole thing. But again, you're still coming up with this thing that you're talking all these children who are varying in age. Right. Into making all this up and going along with it. You said there was like 60, 60 some of them, didn't you? Yeah, there were 62. That's like us trying to convince our elementary school that there's a chamber of secrets in the basement. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 62 and their ages are ranging from 6 to 12. Yeah, there's... I mean, you're just... And they're all sticking to their story. None of them have recanted to this day. Kids, I mean, kids are the most honest people. Kids and drunk people, the Mm -hmm. most honest people in the world. (laughs) It's just crazy to me that, you know, and, you know, skeptics are skeptics for a reason. There's always going to be someone who's a naysayer. And that's why they're called a skeptic. So they have to be skeptic. You know, they have to pull it out of somewhere. So that's the best they can come up with. But it's just, I mean, this case is crazy to me, I think, because it's hard to imagine that the kids would have made it up. Right. And also something important to point out is that these children, the way they describe these beings is that they were about the same height as the average height of these children. So... They are also describing them as the same size as them. Mm -hmm. So I imagine that in my mind, I'm thinking maybe they decided they just saw these beings, knew that they were from this planet, and maybe that's why they picked them to come down to, you know, they may not have known that they were children. Maybe that's possible because they were the same size. size, Or they they knew to, oh, the adults are gone. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone will believe the warning about climate from these kids. Yeah. And also, I'm not sure how a group of adults may have reacted to this. Maybe these beings knew that these children would have reacted better. So there's just a lot of things up in the air. But 
These are just my immediate thoughts. Two of the kids did heed the warning, and they went off to produce Greta Thornburg. <laughs> I'm just yeah, yeah. So it's well, whatever the truth or myth about it, I don't see any of these kids. Did any of the kids actually go on to work in something that's going to help with the climate crisis? I don't know. A lot of them. I couldn't find much details about a lot of them. I've only found some details about a couple. Oh, I was just curious. I mean, if an alien came down and told me a cryptic message, I'd be like, maybe I should grow up to do something about that. Yeah, I'm not sure. But again, I think, you know, my my first thought is that these beings may have not realized that these were children. Okay. It's kind of impossible. It is impossible to know. These beings are described as being the same size as them. If I was a, a tiny little alien driving around a planet, I wouldn't get out if we were the ones hanging around. I was like, those are giants. I'm not getting out of this. Lock your doors. (laughs) Yeah. But they did pick a place where there were these little creatures that were the same size as them who had no weapons. And a large group. So that's probably something I would do if I was visiting a foreign It looks like I could take these kids. Let's go down there. They don't look dangerous. Let me visit these people. Yeah. Well, I have... A mystery as well. Does it involve aliens? It does not, surprisingly. Although, as you went along with your mystery, it isn't the same mystery. It's just similar. A a group of school kids saw aliens. (laughs) Well, my unmasked is also a group of school kids who saw aliens. So I wonder if that is your... Is it from the UK? It's from Australia, I believe. Yeah, that's it. Oh, well, then we'll cover that on Unmasked, time. and I'll take it off my <laughs> list for December. <laughs> but wouldn't it be funny, though, if it's not that one? Maybe it it's It would not. be, but it, it probably is because it's like the most widely known. Well, maybe it is. That's the first kids. time you guys have done something, possibly the same thing on your I list know. to do yeah. since you started this a year ago. I'm waiting. A year ago. Until we both come down to start right, on the same like, episode. I have a mystery he for has, you today. Yeah, he has notes on the same one that I have notes on. Then we'll just compare notes and see yeah, what we'll see which one could have found all yeah. different. <sighs> Let me catch my breath. Had too much dessert today. Oh my god! Had a heap and Harvey and fries. That was so good. He had a big sandwich. That's what a heap and mm. Harvey is. A big sandwich. So I ate half of it. I had a shake, a meal replacement shake, mm, mm, which means mm. I'm going to be shaking my sugar. in about an hour. My sugar. <laughs> Every time I come to town, he decides that he can't go to lunch. He doesn't have time. No, I've not gone to lunch in a long time just to save time. I love to go to lunch with Kim. Normally, I get it to go. Now, there is a lot that I would do to live forever. But only if I got to stay like this piece of meat from the discount bin you see here today. I wouldn't want to... <laughs> Shane's rolling his eyes at me. I said the discount bin. Yeah. That's where I like to grocery shop. Kmart special. <laughs> Blue light special. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to weather away like that zombie from Return of the Living Dead who says, I can feel myself right. Ugh, that part always creeped me out. Grab your moisturizer and chapstick, everyone. My mystery for today is about living mummies. No, I'm not talking about the ones that walk around museums at night, like on Scooby-Doo. 
I just watched that episode the other day. Too. <laughs> These living mummies are more living in the sense that their spirits are tied here as long as their bodies remain, no matter how crusty they might be. A detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. They mummified themselves and did it as a way to bypass that whole reincarnation and rebirth cycle, the birth cycle of death and being reborn again. Buddhists believe that one must live through thousands of the death and rebirth cycles until one reaches enlightenment. These monks believed that not only could they help the living by self-mummification, but that they would reach total enlightenment in the process. Most of the living monks are from the Xingyang school of Buddhism in Japan, who believed that the way to enlightenment was through gradual starvation and physical preservation in the hopes of becoming a Shokoshimbitsu, or an instant Buddha. Just add water. the first one believed to achieve this was a monk named kukai also called the great master who died in 835 a.d well kind of legend says that before he died he went into a tomb and meditated into an enlightened being of sorts that meditation froze his body in time and protected it from any and all decay Since then, his followers, for hundreds of years, would attempt Shokoshimbitsu. It is believed that hundreds of monks have attempted it, but only 24 are said to have been successful at it. When someone isn't successful at self-mummification, their decaying bodies were removed from the crypt, 
exercised and blessed and then buried with respect. I think because it wasn't successful, they might have believed that they might have a demon in them or that they weren't done with their death and rebirth cycles, that they, you know, still had other lives that they were meant to live. And it wasn't until over 100 years after the enlightenment of Kukai that the recipe to doing it was finally figured out. It's no day at the spa, let's just say. In order to hope to achieve the mummified outcome, a monk would begin to remove all the fat from their bodies by limiting their diet to things that could be foraged from around their mountain. Things like tree nuts, bark, pine needles, roots, and flower buds, along with small river pebbles. Basically what bears eat before they go into hibernation to kind of block them up. (laughs) They would also start a strenuous exercise program so they could sweat off the fat from their bodies quicker while they could still move. After that, the monks would have stripped their bodies of a lot of their moisture and begin drinking a type of tea made from a tree that is used to make wood varnish. It also caused constant vomiting, which sped up the dehydration process. That drink, a tea, it would basically varnish them from the inside out, and it has the same toxin that poison ivy does, which is why they vomited. So they're drinking a a nice tea of that. (laughs) Basically, think of making a poison ivy tea and imagine how that would feel as you drank it. Ooh. Makes you itchy just thinking about it. Right. That, along with the agony of dehydration, if anyone has ever had dehydration, you'll know how your body feels like it's locking up, every muscle aches, and you feel like you're dying. I had that after we went to Death Valley. (laughs) I got real dehydrated. That, along with the high levels of arsenic that is found in the spring water near the temple, and you'll quickly learn that this was an agonizing way to die, allegedly. Also, for as long as they could, they had to wash themselves three times a day in the icy cold water on the lake by the temple and hike to a temple every day for prayer, all the while while they're starving, dehydrated, and in constant agony. Now, one of my beliefs is it is through our a lot of our negative experiences that we often learn the greatest lessons. But good gravy. Honey is sweet, but don't lick it off the briar. (laughs) (laughs) I've been saving that one just for the right moment. The monks would do all of this for 1,000 days until they were ready to be entombed in a space only large enough to sit and meditate in, with a single reed cracked in it for air. A bell would also be placed inside with the monk, and after they were sealed in, they would ring the bell once a day until the bell stopped ringing. Which, when I researched this, I had a question of, how did the monks know it had been a day? Like, that would just add extra anxiety to me while I'm in there dying. Like, has it been a day yet? Do I ring the bell yet? (laughs) I can't die. I gotta ring this damn bell. And once the bell stopped ringing, they would dig up the body to make sure that the monk was indeed dead 
before resealing and entombing it again for another 1,000 days. Then it was opened again, and if the monk's body showed no decay, it was a success, and his body would be worshipped in a nearby tomb, having reached the Buddha level of enlightenment. The oldest known living mummy is from the late 1700s and is the best preserved out of all the 16 of the current ones that are still around. The practice was outlawed in the late 1800s with the last one happening in 1903 illegally. And once that one was buried, his body was then forbidden by law to be exhumed for over 60 years Then it was dug up by researchers, and they found that he was successful at his self-mummification. And his mummy is on display today in a temple. Hmm. I don't have the names of all the temples because (laughs) I tried, but I I could not pronounce them. They were very long and lots of consonants (laughs) where I'm not used to consonants being, and I was just... I'm just going to say a temple. There you go. If you're that curious, Google is your friend. (laughs) Now, I did want to say that the monks who did commit self-mummification believed that what they did was an act of total enlightenment and meant to help humanity. They did not view it as suicide. There are some who believe that the monks are simply killing themselves slowly when they attempt to become enlightened mummies. And I am one of those, you know, I do believe that if that's a person's wishes, I think they call it death with dignity or assisted suicide. And if that's how the monks wish to go based on their beliefs, I don't see any harm in it. I understand why they made it illegal. You know, a government's job is to protect its people. They're like, we don't want you killing yourselves now, but I don't see any harm in it. That's their, yeah, I feel like you got it right. Just my Lord. Every time I'd research this, I'd put chapstick on. I'm like, ooh, this (laughs) makes my skin feel so dry. I'm going to get some water. But wait, there's more. Not only do they believe that they will be a Buddha if they're successful at this, as I mentioned earlier, they also believe that they can help those still living as long as their bodies are remained here on Earth. Mm. Some people will even pray to the mummies and bring them gifts to answer their prayers. One of the mummies on display is cleaned and redressed every 12 years, and the threads from his robes are then sold to those who who wish to ask him for help. I think it's a lot like Catholic saints, and there are even mummies for certain ailments, like eye illnesses and disease. That monk was famous for ripping his eye out and throwing it into a river, and now he's the monk you pray to if you have an eye injury. Irony, Ella. (laughs) (laughs) Irony. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) that one took me a second. Ah, not intentional. We'll continue the show in five minutes. <laughs> when they're finished laughing. laughing. <laughs> One of the monks had even been previously stolen in 2015, and the robbers attempted to sell him on the black market. Why, I don't know. As mm-hmm. a holy relic, possibly. But Who I, would want to buy a mummy? I can, you know, people used to grind mummies up and consume them as powder because they thought it was beneficial to you. Or even there was a one of the most popular paint colors in history was called Mummy Brown, and it was made by grinding up mummies and mixing it into a, oh, a lovely brown paint. That's ridiculous. He was eventually found, though, and returned to his temple. 
and senior Buddhists say that that monk is still alive and in a deep meditative state. Which brings to mind the question, was that considered kidnapping or grave robbery then? Mm. You know me, I like to end on a nice little... Mm. And then I will end with my bless your heart. It's a real a cute one, but it was so sad. I just saw it the other day. Bobby, the world's oldest dog ever, has died after reaching the almost inconceivable age of 31 years and 165 days. Wow. His death at an animal hospital on Friday which it was announced by a veterinarian, and she wrote on Facebook that despite outliving every dog in history, his 11,478 days on Earth would never be enough for those who loved him. They say there are many secrets to his extraordinarily old age. He always roamed freely without a leash or chain and lived in a calm, peaceful environment and also ate human food soaked in water. He spent his whole life in a small Portuguese village, often wandering around with cats. Bobby surpassed an almost century-old record to becoming the oldest living dog and the oldest dog ever a title which had previously been held by an Australian cattle dog, Bluey, who was born in 1910 and lived to be 29 years old. However, Bobby's story almost had a different ending. When he was just a puppy, the kid's father didn't want any more animals at the farm, so he took him and his litter mates and destroyed them, is the word I'll use. Destroyed. But Bobby somehow managed to slip out of the bag and was hiding underneath a pile of logs when they found him in the garage three days later. (laughs) The father let them keep the dog. Mm. The children hid the puppy from the parents after that until he was a little older, and he went on to live his record-breaking life of 31 years old. I give a bless your heart to Bobby and your beautiful family, who are all missing that's very cute. It was so precious. Kim and I were talking about how sad we'll be when our dogs pass. Mm. That's kind of why that was on my mind because mm. I picked him the other day and I'm like, I want my dog to live to be 31. <laughs> I can't imagine Z being 31. <sighs> Walking around in a little electric wheelchair and an <laughs> IV bag. I remember grandma had that one chihuahua. She lived to be like 21 Atta? or 23. Rocket, rocket. Rocket, the white. Her name was Etta for some reason. Rocket. Etta. I don't remember an Etta. Etta. Rocket. I thought her name was Etta. Rocketta. Rocket. Etta. (laughs) (laughs) Both of us aren't budging. (laughs) I don't remember ever a dog named Etta. Like Etta Jane. No, I thought thought her name was Etta. I don't know why I thought that. Maybe there was another one. I feel like Grandma always had. What did you call Chihuahua. her? Rocket. Rocket. Yeah. Well, maybe. Maybe, like the maybe that's just what you called it. Maybe Shane didn't maybe have a speech in Etta for a job. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it was Etta for short. I don't know. We have an an Aunt Missy, and she used to be called Aunt Pissy. Aunt Pissy. I love it. That's true. True story. Well, I do give a bless your heart to him. I love a good animal story. And even though it's one about a a dog dying, he lived Mm -hmm. a very long life. Although uh, I'm sure he was 
nice and crusty. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen, you know, like 15 plus year old dogs and they're never the the best looking little toothless things and their cute little tongues hanging out. Kim had two old dogs. Oh, yeah. They were the ugliest things. One of them was named Oreo and Bugs. Bones with fur on oh them. Oh, my god! They were not ugly. Oreo they were little shih tzus. Was, yeah. They were shih tzus. And Oreo shih tzu. was literally the ugliest thing that you could ever Ugh. see in your life. He's didn't, a lion. Didn't one of them have a underbite? Oreo. That, no, that was Bugs. Was it Bugs? Oh, yeah, because he had his jaw oh broke as a puppy. Oh. I love Oreo a, I love a cute, ugly thing. dog, though. My best friend has pugs. They were so ugly that you some some would find it cute, but oh my gosh, she was so ugly. You just didn't like the breed because they all looked that way. That uh, they didn't really. I don't mind old. the breed. She's just so old and she uh, was not crippled. Well, she was blind in one eye. But see <laughs> what I mean, old dog. Though. <laughs> she, she was blind in one eye. And she couldn't walk well. She was no, missing half her body. <laughs> <laughs> At the end, she was having seizures, so I just I couldn't take any more and had her put down. But. Her entrails drug on the floor. Yeah, no she looks perfect. She's pretty. Whenever anybody has inside. a royal dog, they're always like that. You can pet her. She just looks rough. She might bite you. Watch out for her Don't glassy eye, though. It'll leak on you. Yeah, okay. ah. <laughs> well, we would like to give a special thank you, Jesus. To our loyal and brilliant patrons and your exceptional taste in podcast. Those of you that joined us recently, I am sending out your postcards mm. after we record and I get more stamps. <laughs> Mind me, Kim. <laughs> we appreciate all of you and hope that you enjoy Unmask. Don't forget to follow Mr. Inc. on Instagram or join us on Patreon to hear our bonus episodes of Unmasked that we are doing right after our regular ones. Find us on both platforms under at It's Mystery Inc. And you can also join us on Facebook at Shane and Josh's Rabbit Hole. Come play in our hole so we can interact (laughs) more with all of you. And we also have a new website where you can listen to any of our episodes, enjoy photos of us, and now Kim. And even submit ideas oh, for mysteries or such any, a great picture <laughs> or any positive news that you would like to share for bless your heart. All right, guys, are you ready for our unmasked? Kim, put your clothes on. We got to go to the bathroom. Something about recording. I I go right before oh, we start. And as soon as that button hits on record, you guys I'm both like, fight oh. for the one bathroom in the building. I usually go because I'm I'm a fast peer. <laughs> and you're also faster than Kim. Yeah. <laughs> Just walk right over. There. Right. All well, right, guys. join us next week on Mystery Inc. And join us on Patreon for Unmasked. Yeah. See you there. Bye. Bye.